Hey guys, welcome back to Fleeky Foods and Friends, my podcast. I'm Liz of Fleeky Foods on Instagram. And today's guest is so, so, so special because today we have my mom, also my best friend in the whole world. She is literally the best mom ever. I know everyone always says that, but mine is true. (laughs) So today we talked all about her journey with Lyme. She had a much more difficult experience with Lyme than I have had. And just hearing her story, I've heard a little bits and parts of it, obviously, but hearing it all the way through during this episode was so inspiring. And just hearing what she overcame was so inspiring to me. And I know you guys are going to love hearing it. She is so fun. And I just love chatting with her during this podcast episode. If you guys like this episode, it would mean so much to me if you could rate and review it. It helps me out so much. And obviously, if you have any guests, or topic requests for me to talk about, just DM me on Instagram. Like I said, my Instagram is Fleeky Foods. Now enough of me rambling, let's get into the episode. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Mom. I know you are a busy gal, so (laughs) thank you for taking this time. And not all of my followers obviously know a lot about you, so if you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you for having me. I'm kind of shocked that you asked me to be on it. Um, No, um, so I'm Elizabeth's mom. I call her Lily. I'm 53 years old. Uh, We have four kids, two dogs. Uh, I teach yoga. Um, I'm just making a career switch from a short career um, in the mortgage banking business. I really didn't enjoy it, so I decided to stop. And I am always been pretty much into health and wellness. Kind of grew up with a mother who and father who were both into athletics more so than other things and so always participated in sports or running and then when I got sick with Lyme's disease it really kind of honed in on overall wellness and that was when Lily was two years old Um, so that was a big shift in my life from a health and wellness perspective and um, I really just enjoy learning about it I feel like it's a constant uh, learning process and I'm in a program for functional medicine health coaching I had finished the program actually and got certified but I am now studying for the national board exam. She's just as much of a superstar as she sounds like. So you mentioned that you had Lyme disease. Obviously, I mentioned that in my first podcast. So would you kind of walk me through your Lyme disease experience from start to finish? I know it was definitely a long process. Yeah, mine was definitely long. We had lived in Connecticut, and I knew about Lyme disease, which is a very new illness. So um, even especially when we lived in Connecticut, which was you were two when we moved so 17 years ago we moved but I was there for 10 years prior so I guess 27 years ago yeah because Nellie's 28 so um so we had moved there and I was very careful because I had heard about it and I didn't really like I would plant flowers but I wasn't you know gardening extensively I always had blankets at soccer games or sat in chairs and did tick checks on all the kids every time and took some ticks off of the kids and um so when I got sick, I had had been showing signs for years prior to that. I would all of a sudden kneel down on the ground and my knee would hurt and I'd look down on it and it was like half of a baseball sticking out of my joint and my elbow would hurt. And then when I had, um, I would go in and I got tested three times prior to being pregnant with Lily and all the tests were negative. So they're like, oh, it must be something else. And then after I had Lily, I'll never forget, I walked into a podiatrist's office 
she was six weeks old and my feet were killing me and I thought I started back running when Lily was two weeks old which was kind of fast and so I thought maybe I was still having some postpartum swelling and they did like a scan of my feet and he's like you know you could have like rheumatoid arthritis or something's going on you have you know inflammation in your feet and I remember thinking oh he's a podiatrist what does he know and so I just kind of disregarded it and my running group in Connecticut um, my gals Janice and Maureen <laughs> and Claire we I had convinced them to run the Chicago Marathon because we would run together and it was a great great group of women and felt very inspired by them and always wanted to run a marathon and so we had been training for the Chicago Marathon and we were at like mile 19 so it was early August it was actually August 1st I'll never forget it and Janice and I went on a low mileage run of 10 miles and um, my neck was bothering me the entire time that I was running and by and I just kept kind of stretching it and then by the end of the day I was like in excruciating pain my my head felt like it was gonna pop off and I was never a big headache person but my eyes felt like they were bulging I couldn't move my whole upper body was stiff I ended up sitting up all night long, drove myself to the emergency room at like 5 a.m. And unfortunately, I made the mistake of telling them that I had gone for a 10 mile run. So they really focused on muscular um, issues instead of what could have been causing it. And so it was a long, long haul from that first day. They gave me muscle relaxers and other things. And two days later, I went to a walk-in clinic which um, that woman, that doctor had had Lyme's disease. And so when I talked to her about my knees, my elbows, after I had Lily, I had a lot of like hip joint pain. If I was sitting down and I stood up, I would have to walk across the room and so forth. So she's like, Lyme travels upward and yours looks like it's presenting now in your neck and spine. And so she put, started putting me on doxycycline and I noticed a bit of relief but then the test came back negative and she took me off the medicine and I just proceeded to be really sick. For the next six months, I was pretty much in bed, um, had to hire somebody to help with the four kids. Um, I had an amazing group of friends that drove me. I went to doctor after doctor after doctor because I knew I felt really good beforehand. And I was like, what is going on? And, and I was told so many different diagnoses from multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, possibly ALS, connective tissue disorder, all these just different diseases and I was like I don't believe this like I don't think that this is right and I'd heard about this Dr. Raxlin who's very common um, this is a common name in the Lyme world but he was also considered um, very strange and a lot of regular MDs did not like him and but I went to him and he ran some tests and did the IgenX test which again is frowned upon it's more accepted now but back then it was really frowned upon and I just decided to go down this path um, and there was so many naysayers from your, the kids' pediatricians to like friends, different people, but um, it really was a long haul. It was about a two and a half year process. I had found a Lyme literate neurologist um, out in Connecticut when we were still there. And so the first six months I was in bed and it was spending all this time traveling to just different doctors. Um, I was amazed at how many doctors just gave you a prescription not knowing what it was. My big joke is I had 99 prescriptions so I must have seen 33 doctors and they just all kept giving different diagnoses without really noticing what even listening to some of what my symptoms were. And so when I found the neurologist 
I switched over to him from Dr. Raxlin, who was who was a little bit more of extreme, but he's still around today. They tried closing him down many times. Um, and my Dr. Katz, my neurologist, really set me on the path of getting better. And we tried all different oral antibiotics, um, different um, protocols and things. And the one that we ended up going with was the IV Rocephin. Now that happened once we moved to back to Chicago, which we, it was probably at a little over the six month, right around the six month mark when we moved. And the downside was, is I was running out of kinetic because I was like, I gotta get away from the Lyme disease and I didn't want you kids to get sick. But at the same time, every doctor here made me take new tests. So I had to have a spinal tap um, because of also part of the search was because my mom has multiple sclerosis. I, my tissue type leads me to a predisposition uh, for an autoimmune disease because of her MS in our tissue type. And I have the tissue type, this HLA-DR4. So I'm at that predisposition. And so right away when I got here, the neurologist here was like, you need to get a spinal tap. You might have MS. And I was like, oh my gosh, here we go again. <laughs> so um, it, then that test came out negative. Unfortunately, it leaked, um, which is a side effect of having a spinal tap. So I was at the emergency room, you know, again, doing... Um, they take blood from your arm and put it into the spinal fluid to kind of patch up your back, which was probably one of the most painful things I've ever done. And um, just all different, it was just a, a circus of what next type of thing. But fortunately, my doctor in Connecticut talked to a doctor that I met here who's no longer practicing, he retired, and we got on the right path. And so I went on IV Rocephin for a two-week protocol. And within three days, I felt like a new person. My Lyme affected, they refer to it as Lyme meningitis. So it's the same symptoms of meningitis. And it was like somebody was reaching their arm up my back along my spine and squeezing my brain with their hand. And that was, so it was hard for me standing up straight, um, hard to get comfortable. I was just always, always in pain. All the medications made me sick to my stomach. I lost like 15 pounds. Um, rice became my meal for such a long period of time and um, it just was that constant battle to try to get back to normal so when I got on the IV three days into it I felt I say like somebody pulled the shower curtain back um, because the brain fog felt better my head wasn't hurting as much and so forth and so when I would go back to Connecticut and see Dr. Katz and he was like I'm like I feel better but I'm still not myself and so we did another protocol of four weeks and it was the same thing. I was getting better. I definitely felt better. I felt stronger. And um, after that four weeks, I was off of it for about a month and then we did a 10 week push. And his feeling is because of the Lyme that I had, had broken the brain barrier. And in order to get into the brain barrier, you really needed to be on a 10 week protocol. And so there's a risk involved. It can cause gallbladder damage um, which I did have to have mine taken out about two years after I finished the Rocephin. Um, but I always say I would do it again in a heartbeat because it was the only thing that was finally starting to get me to feel better after I was on so many different drugs that weren't helping me and doing bad things to my body as well. So there was definitely an imbalance. Um, and so the, after the 10 weeks, I felt like a new person Physically, I had to go to PT for about six months because I was so hunched over from not being able to hold up my head very well. 
and I did traction, which was phenomenal. I loved it, uh, which stretches out your spine. And they had found that my spinal cord had been um, aggravated, um, where normally your spinal cord is like a loose um, spaghetti noodle that's cooked, and mine was like a lightning rod hitting my discs in my neck. So everything was fixed, um, got so much better and stronger, and uh, eventually started running again. And um, so yeah, that was it was a long, it was a very long haul. I know that's a lot of information in a short period of time, but um, I would say that the you know there was just different things. And along that process, um, my sister-in-law Beata gave your aunt Beata gave uh, me this book called Nutritional Healing, and it was all the different supplements you could be taking because one of the things when I was on IV. I started getting into the homeopathic side of it. So when people I say, how did you get better? I never say, well, it was just the IV. I was also taking about 100 supplements then a day. I was taking, I had a whole protocol for it. It was 34 for breakfast and then 33 for lunch and dinner. And so I feel like it was really the combination of both the IV treatment and the supplements that had gotten me better. And I really stayed on the supplement protocol for a very long time. Now, I don't take 100 anymore. I'm probably down to like 20, 15 to 20 a day. depends what day it is. And um, But I do feel like because my levels were so low, I mean, that's what a vitamin is. It's a supplement to bring your levels back up. And, um, and so, yeah, so I was very, very lucky. I follow that book still to this day. It's like a Bible to me. It's a great book if ever anyone's looking for information on supplements. And, um, and yeah, and so we just uh, it kind of incorporated into your guys' lives and became part of our whole your whole existence with it. I could have been pregnant you know that was one of the things they said too when I was pregnant um, it can carry over so I was very sick with Lily um, I was sick all, during all my pregnancies did not feel well but hers was really bad and I was in the hospital and um, they said that could have been part of it in hindsight um, and wasn't sure if she got it when we when she was younger um, or if it was when I was pregnant so and now it's all over it's not just Connecticut you know that was kind of the big thing back then as it's so um, prevalent in Connecticut but it's, it's in every state I get calls all the time from people um, asking what I did or they have a friend that's sick could they call me and ask and stuff like that so um, it is amazing how many people get affected by it absolutely and I was lucky enough that when I was diagnosed I went straight to a line literate doctor but obviously you had to deal with so many of the doctors that didn't really understand what was going on. Did that ever affect how you felt about doctors and kind of your trust with doctors? Because I know a lot of people with chronic illness struggle with that. For sure. And I would say in hindsight, looking back at it, one of the things, I used to get so frustrated because of all the different diagnoses. And I was like, I know I don't have this. I don't feel this way. And my blood work wouldn't show it. Um, but you really realize that word practice is really what it comes down to. Like, you can go to school. One of my favorite um, things is this meme or cartoon, and it says, um, the doctor says, don't WebMD me on your illness. And she said, don't take your one-hour lecture and compare it to the last eight years of my life. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really kind of always think of. It's funny because a funny example, you do go to med school, and you might spend one hour on rheumatoid arthritis. And yes, you see how the body gets affected through all different things, but... There's so many autoimmune diseases. Like I, when I was first sick, I think there was 85. I think there's like 140 labeled 
autoimmune diseases now. And they all affect us differently. And so I realized that as I was going through this process is it affects everybody differently. There's all different forms of the Lyme disease, different illnesses through it. And then what happened like with me when I was on um, the IV medicine, they also put me on this anti-malaria drug, which as I'm being told I'm going to be put on this to squash my autoimmune response because of that tissue type HLA-DR4, I had to sign a waiver that it, it can damage your retina and you could have blindness. Well, at that moment, I have a two-month-old or two-year-old and three other kids, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to take this risk. I signed off on the paper, <laughs> but I look back and I'm like, that could have what made me different because I still know so many people that were sick with Lyme's disease that still had so many symptoms. And even like when we went to Dr. Kelly, your doctor, I um, had talked to her about there's 50% of the doctors believe you get rid of Lyme's disease. 50% believe you have it your whole life. So when I got cleared for Lyme, I was sent to a rheumatologist at Northwestern and I had to go to him for 10 years and it started off every three months, then every six months, then once a year. And they would run blood work for my autoimmune, look for Lyme and try to see if I responded because I was highly likely I would have an autoimmune response. And after 10 years, he's like, I don't need to see you again. I remember I just cried. The nurse cried because <laughs> they became, so we talked about running. He was a runner, you know, so we just talked about stuff all the time. And it was such a like great thing. And I truly believe that I do not have Lyme's disease. But then when we were at Lily's doctor, Dr. Kelly, as Lily's sitting there as a high school student and she's telling her, you're going to have this your whole life. I said, well, excuse me, you know, I was told that I was cleared of Lyme, explained, explained my situation, and she said, that's here nor there. We're going to focus on this. So she believes you have it your whole life. So again, it, it comes down to it's really a practice. I don't know that anyone knows definitively mm -hmm. whether you'll have it or you won't. But if you go along the course of you'll have it your whole life, like she explained, like chicken pox, it kind of goes into remission, mm -hmm. and then it can come back out like shingles as an adult, but at times of stress, Lyme disease could repre represent itself. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I, I, it was super frustrating. And what I would say to anyone or anyone that would call me and I would talk to them is, you know, listen to your gut. Your mm -hmm. intuition tells you so much. And I really am um, grateful that I really just kept fighting because I could have just sat back and somebody said, you know, you have Parkinson's disease and been like, Oh no, you know, and I could have gone down that path and I was like, I'm going to a different doctor. Hence, I saw probably 33 doctors and got so many drugs. I felt like I was my own pharmacy. But, um, so yeah, so it was a really interesting, um, it's a super interesting experience. And I think for no matter what illness people have, you have to really be your advocate, own advocate and, and realize that the doctor is not the expert. They know a heck of a lot more than most of us do, but, um, that you have to keep looking for it in the combination of the Eastern and Western medicine, I think is super helpful. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I know that we focus more on the naturopath, naturopathic, homeopathic mm -hmm. route when it comes to medicine or supplements or anything, but where most of the drugs that you were on originally, when did it kind of switch to homeopathic, would you say? Um, I think it was really with, when I was on the IV stuff and I was on that malaria drug as well, and probably about three other antibiotics treating all different things within my mm -hmm. body. Now I had brain specs done and everything. So it showed that it was 
it had gone into my brain. Mm -hmm. And then you saw the brain speck afterwards where it was cleared from my brain. So you, you didn't see the activity was gone. Um, and so I think after I did the Rosefin, the last dose of Rosefin, I had to finish up um, a couple drugs and then I was, that was it. I was mostly on supplements. So probably when you were about four, so um, 15 years ago, it's been pretty much just supplement stuff. Even I, you know, the kids all make fun of me because I'm like, don't take Tylenol, don't take this, don't take that, because there's an adverse reaction when you do. You think you're helping something in your body, mm -hmm. and it does help one thing, but it can also cause other problems. Yeah, absolutely. And so you mentioned that you got back into running. You were a big runner before and mm -hmm. ended up being able to get back into running. Uh, how would you say you got back into running, and how long did it take after your Lyme to get back into running fully? Um, I would say that was probably, I mean, when I was cleared from the hospital, I had, you know, we moved here and I had created a, um, running group with friends from around here. There was four of us too. I was trying to reenact my Connecticut group and, um, met some great ladies. That's one thing I, I've said to you, like when you run with other people, it's just such a great experience and it makes the runs go by faster and you learn so much. You become really close to each other. And, um, we, I started running sh pretty much shortly after that. For me, running was always a detox and it helped with anxiety because that was something that was definitely triggered with the Lyme's disease. Uh, one of the medications they put me on, Lexapro, I had an adverse reaction to that um, experience. Different things just affected me really bad along the course of trying the different drugs. And, um, you know, my neurologist who I love, Dr. Katz, put me on a full dose of Lexapro and I'm a big believer in building up and building down and it was horrible I had my friends had to come over immediately to help with you guys and um and so when I got back to running I wanted to do it which I still do it for it really helps me from an emotional standpoint with anxiety and for me it's a big detox I love I feel like I just sweat everything out and I feel so much better and when our running group we ran in a race here it was a we did a 5k and it was a big thing that we were going to run a 5k and i ended up winning my age group <laughs> when i was the crowd called it for my trophy i'm crying my friends are crying i'm sure everyone's like yeah, it's a this 5K. is a little neighborhood 5k and i'm like you know you know it was so funny so um so that was uh that was a big moment because i felt like okay i'm back i feel better um so yeah this it was it was a very funny moment but um but yeah, so I think it, it takes a while and um, there's always the ebbs and flows. There's time, like when I was pregnant, I couldn't run or times when I feel stronger, like this summer felt so strong running. Mm -hmm. I had broken my ankle um, and so that was a time when I had to stop running and then... So how long after the line did you break your ankle? It was um, probably a, maybe two or three years okay. so you know and it was funny doctors would attribute it well you were on that IV row stuff and I'm mm -hmm. like no I was running in flip-flops on a you know a trail yeah. mm -hmm. to go see Natalie was in a cross-country meet and I was trying to get to a different location so I was running in shoes I shouldn't have been and hit a divot and broke um, both parts of the football but um, and then so I had to deal with that but then got back into running and stuff mm -hmm. like that so I've always gone back to it um, and as we've talked about, there's times when there's the you, you're just so excited to go out and run, and then there's mornings where I'm like, 
I don't really want to do this, but I know like I'm such a happier, better person on mornings that I've run mm -hmm. and I feel like I've accomplished so much. It's like making your bed first thing in the morning for me. Getting that run in makes me feel so much more productive in a day. Absolutely. So how did your Lyme experience influence your life after healing? I know you got into yoga, functional medicine, if you want to talk a little bit more about that. You know, I always think of it as the, a silver lining. It really made me focus um, a lot. I'm not a big drinker. I just, I don't feel good when I do. And I used to always say, because I went years without drinking, um, having drinks or anything, because when you're sick with Lyme disease the way that I was, I felt like it was one of those days where I drank like a keg of beer. Like it was just horrible. Like, mm -hmm. and I just never wanted to feel that way again. Um, and I realized especially now going through the functional medicine program the power of food and food is medicine and i think it's it's so informative to how we live our lives and how we feel and i think there's you have to be careful because there could be extremes with it mm -hmm. and i've always said like the 80 20 rule i think even 90 10 is a little strict i think you have to still live your life mm -hmm. but trying to live it your best possible way while having fun and um so i'm not super strict i can be you're a lot more strict stricter than I am um, right now just in the sense of I'm trying to have fun as well mm -hmm. with COVID um, so I, I feel like I'm a little bit more laxed right now than I was six months ago yeah. or before COVID started because I'm trying to you know there's other things that are out of whack so I feel like I'm trying to balance but um, it definitely influenced my life with even when you kids were sick how you guys were raised was mm -hmm. just completely different like um, with making sure you took supplements or we ate healthy not that you wouldn't have junk food but yeah. um that you you know tried to um be eat cleaner mm -hmm. and do things like that yeah we definitely ate like packaged food growing up it was Correct. never like you have to eat kale i don't i don't even think i knew what kale was until i was in like middle school <laughs> yeah and then we were on a kick yeah <laughs> and now we love kale <laughs> but you guys like ate fish and stuff like that like yeah, there are things that other kids might not eat that mm -hmm. you guys are really all pretty good eaters trying so. yeah and we were all encouraged to be very active my siblings were a little bit better with that than I was but yeah we, we, we moved a lot of sports and I think also it's just that age age group mm -hmm. and generation and so forth of participating in a lot of sports and stuff to keep busy and active yeah, absolutely so I thought we'd finish with some fast money questions I'm gonna add a couple of fun ones and since you're my mom too um, the first one is, what is your favorite way to move your body? It would be running. But yoga has become a close second. Yoga has really had a big um, impact on my life. i definitely a type A person. Mm -hmm. And I can step into a yoga room and become a Z. Like, it's just super... I can, I've learned to turn it off with going through my yoga process. And um, it's something I just love watching when I work with the student athletes. Like, watching them relax and fall asleep or just get into the posture um anything like that with so i definitely think yoga is a close second mm -hmm. yeah my mom teaches yoga at the high school sports teams for my school as well as my stepdad's football players which is always funny when kids would come up to me in the halls and be like i took yoga with your mom yesterday <laughs> <laughs> some of them didn't like me <laughs> Some of them would rather have just practiced. <laughs> the coach always acted like it was your reward, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know if they think that way right now. But. They like the napping part of it. Yeah, this is awesome. awesome. Um, what is your favorite recipe to make? Mm. 
you know, I, I feel like it's constantly changing just based on health and wellness mm -hmm. and where we're at in seasons. Yeah. Like right now we're all pumpkin. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I one thing I, I think of, like when I think of a meal, like we remember we did that at my, well, I think it was my birthday when we talked about if you, what would your last meal oh, yeah. be? And we all went around the table and we were talking about what your last meal would be and dessert and so forth. It was really funny. And, um, and so I don't know, cause I feel like I like so many things. I'm definitely a big, I love salads. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, like when we made that chopped salad mm -hmm. um, with that green goddess dressing, that was delicious. Mm -hmm. um, but so just different, I don't know if I have a favorite food. Um, I definitely would go more towards the vegetable family. Something with vegetables. Mm -hmm. How do you define clean eating? Trying to not eat from a package. It's like the first thing I think of is what, even at the end of the day when I kind of reflect on what I've eaten, I'm like, I always think of what came out of a package. Mm -hmm. What's one thing you'd want people to know about you that they wouldn't get from this podcast? Well, they know that I talk really fast. <laughs> um, I don't know. That is really hard. Um, I always feel like it's all out there. Like there's, everyone knows how I feel all the time. It's not, yeah. I'm not a secretive person. I definitely got that from you. Um, <laughs> let's see. That I like, well, I guess that I like to go to bed really early. <laughs> um, I love to laugh. I don't know what they want. I don't know. I, you know. Why don't you answer that for me? That you're a loving dog mom. <laughs> As we have our puppy passed out right here. Oh, she yes. looked at me when I said that. It's like another kid. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. What's your favorite fuji recipe? There's a bunch of them. Thanks. <laughs> the artichoke dip. Mm-hmm probably not my one one of your really really early recipes you made which were like the Reese peanut butter cup ones that mm -hmm. were in the refrigerator and I oh it was like a homemade Twix bar yes those were really good um there's another one off the, I'm not I'm drawing a blank on it that we just had recently and I was like these are so good the cinnamon rolls are really good I'm not a swerve fan yeah, I like the Swerve uh, sugar alternative, but my mom, I think that there's something with the Swerve where it gives some people a bad taste in their mouth and some people not, like cilantro, how some people have that gene yeah. where they think it tastes like soap, which I have that gene. But Swerve doesn't bother me, but it bothers you and Matt. Yes, it did. There was one recipe you made something and Natalie, Danny, and I were tasting mm -hmm. it and I was like, ooh. Because <laughs> it was that swerve. I can, I'm always like, there's swerve in this yeah, when I taste the sugar alternative aftertaste. But yeah, no, you've made some really, oh, you know what I loved was the Egg Life wrap with the fig. Oh, the and, grilled cheese. Yes, that mm -hmm. was fantastic. That was so good that you made in the air fryer. That was definitely probably one of my favorites. So me and my siblings always joke about how my mom has these little like obsessions, I'd say, with certain products, certain advice. Correct. Can you give our listeners your best mom advice? Because you've got a couple. I think your guys' number one to make fun of me is Aquaphor. Aquaphor. I think of my big fat Greek wedding and the dad with the Windex. That is me with Aquaphor. <laughs> the kids will have a rash or a cut or anything and I'm like, get the Aquaphor. Um, so we use Aquaphor a lot in our house. That would probably be the number one. What are the other ones? Well, there's Arnica is the reason Oh, one. Arnica. I love, love, love. Any swelling or black and blue Arnica is the way to go. And now it's in a pill capsule, too. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the ointment, but Arnica is fantastic. Apple cider vinegar was a big kick. Yes, but then you have to be really careful. It has to be diluted, and some people it's not great for. Mm -hmm. can kind of ruin your track. Yes. Trying to think, are there any other ones? No, I think that's it. Other than that, I'm perfect. <laughs> <laughs> other than those tips.
Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on this, Mom, and telling the listeners all about your Lyme journey and everything that's come after it. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs>